0: I always say that, like, if I was a car, I could go on empty forever. Like, like I, I can go on fumes for life, you know. But what I realized is that, one, that's not true. And two, there's a lot of people around me who are watching me and, and seeing what I'm modeling. And they're breaking down way sooner. And I, and I couldn't figure out why. I'm like, I wonder what's going on here. And, and I started to realize, oh, I'm actually leading in an unsustainable way. And I'm making everyone else think that that's the way you're supposed to do it. This is the
1: Right Side Up Leadership Podcast, brought to you by Stay Forth Designs, where we have practical conversations on health and leadership in an upside-down world. We'll bring you insight, tools, and practices to help you lead effectively for the long haul.
2: Welcome to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. We are so stinking excited because this is our first ever episode. My name is David Bloom, and I'm with my co-host, Alan Briggs, and we are recording from beautiful Colorado Springs. And so we are just thrilled to begin this journey of having practical conversations centered around health and leadership. Our first guest is Daniel Fusco, who is a pastor at Crossroads Church in Vancouver, and he's going to talk to us about three different categories of rhythms to structure our lives, up, in, and out. Had a great conversation with a good friend of mine, Daniel Fusco, and
1: we dig into the depths and get really practical on what does it look like to live in the tensions of healthy leadership. So continue on your run, continue lifting at the gym, driving down the road, doing your dishes, whatever you're doing, Get ready for a good ride here and a good conversation with my friend, Daniel Fusco. Well, hey guys, welcome to the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. And I am pumped to have a good friend, Daniel Fusco, on the line today. Daniel, good to have you, my
0: man. It's good to hear you, Alan. Good to talk to everybody who's listening to this podcast. I'm stoked about this podcast.
1: So, Daniel and I have probably one of the craziest ways of meeting. Uh, We had this really cool opportunity to fly out to spend some time with kind of our mentor at a distance, our Yoda, Eugene Peterson. And uh, we're grieving the passing of Eugene and just the incredible impact that he's had on the church and on so many leaders through his writing. And actually the week before I think we visited Bono was there. So, uh, Eugene's wife, Jan would not let us kiss her on the left cheek. It was the right cheek because Bono had that. And so got to meet Daniel literally in the airport, like we're going to see Yoda together. So it's just a cool, um, way to be able to meet and just to be able to hear deep questions he's asking. And so, uh, we didn't have a whole lot of like surface time that weekend. We just went deep and went for it. And so love this guy. And, uh, just love that we get to have practical conversations from the trenches. Daniel's in ministry, and um, you can read about him on the bio we'll post. But I think the the most important thing is that he's a man that deeply loves Jesus, deeply loves his family. And uh, when, when we're together, we're not just talking about church stuff or leadership stuff we're talking about how to be faithful and go the distance. So Daniel, that's what we want to talk about today. So just give us a little bit of your story, kind of invite us into a little bit of who you
0: are and what you do. Well, you know, uh, I grew up in New Jersey, all Italian kid. So I didn't uh, grow up in a loving family, but not a Christian family. And I I got radically saved at the end of college. So my last semester of college at Rutgers University in New Jersey, uh, Jesus kind of invaded my life. And and f- from that point out, I was actually pursuing a career in music. I'm a bass player, and, uh, an upright and electric bass player. And as I really started to walk with the Lord and I, I ended up getting plugged in at a, at a, a great local church, uh, God just really started to do a work in my life. And I started uh, just having a passion for uh, for church planting. And so uh, I ended up stepping out to plant uh, the very first church that I ever got to be involved in starting when at the, at the fresh age of 24. And uh, moved back. I was living on the West Coast at the time I moved back to uh, my native state of New Jersey, to New Brunswick, where Rutgers University is. I planted a church there and did that for five years and then moved to the Bay Area in California and planted two churches there, one in um, in Marin County. So most people know the Golden Gate Bridge. So Marin County is just north of the city of San Francisco in, the town, in a town called Mill Valley. And then I also planted a church in the north end of San Francisco in the Marina District And then I turned those churches over to pastors and I I moved up to where I am now in Vancouver, Washington, which is just north of Portland, Oregon. I took over uh, uh, a very large established church called Crossroads and uh, totally cool stuff. And so, you know, just a pastor of a local church. I'm a husband of a great, amazing bride. I get to be a dad of three kids and I get to be involved in a very amazing Local church that God is doing the most unique things in, and and Alan, you've been a big part. You, you know, you've come up and poured into our staff, and and you know, our friendship has been huge for me, and so really grateful for you, and 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 just for this podcast. And I love the ebook, Right Side Up Leader. I mean, just such a. If you, if for those of you who are listening, if you don't have a copy, of that make sure you get a copy of it. It's it's gold, and I think that's when I endorsed the book. I said this is gold, and it totally is. And so people need to make sure they read that.
1: I love what God is, is doing there. Uh, not just around you guys. I mean, it's obvious God's doing some incredible stuff there in Vancouver, right outside of Portland. Um, but just in you guys, in your team. And you guys are stewarding a whole lot of influence uh, right now. And so um, if you guys are listening, dig in for this conversation. Um, but I want to back up just a little bit. That time with with Eugene and Jan obviously was was incredible. And just a, a few weeks back, got to watch that funeral and just been thinking a lot about Eugene's influence, going the distance. Um, what are a few lessons that you took away from those few days we got to spend on, on Flathead Lake with Eugene and Jan?
0: Well, you know, there was a lot of things, uh, and, and Alan, we have talked about this a lot. There's just a lot of things that you realize. And for me, uh, one of the things that struck me the most about Eugene and Jan was just the quietness in which they moved through the, the world you know, obviously, uh, Eugene had been retired for a while and, and, and lit, you know, uh, was living there in their house on Flathead Lake. And, um, you know, I live in a very noisy world. I mean, like, like, I think what cracked me up was when, uh, Eugene said, uh, you know, I'm on Twitter. He was like, surprised. And we're like, yeah, you only have like, you know, 30,000 people follow you.
1: You said you have quite a following on Twitter. And I think he said Twitter. What's that?
0: <laughs> exactly. And so, you know, he, in a lot of ways, uh, what I love the most was that Eugene's writing is a, a, is a total reflection of who he is. So I remember when I came back, I talked to my bride, Lynn. And I said, "You know, one day I would love to live a quiet life like Eugene and Jan Peterson do, because in a lot of ways, you know, I live uh, outside a major metropolitan center. I've always lived outside of major cities uh, in the in the sprawl of of that major metropolitan center. I'm a noisy person, a kind of a, a extroverts extrovert love uh, noisy music and and so uh, I was very taken by the 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 solitude and the contemplativeness of not only who both Eugene and Jan are but also uh, the way they move through the world and I was challenged by it because it's not something that I would say is a quality of my life uh, naturally
1: man such a good takeaway I remember sometimes you'd ask him a question and it'd be like did he hear it? You know, he'd wait six or eight—felt like minutes, but seconds—to be able to answer a question. Um, the chances are, I mean, people had asked him harder questions before in harder conversations, and yet, just the care at which he took in those. Um, and I think we even talked about it that weekend. To just say, "Man, how do we need to slow down um, the pace of of what we're doing?" So, uh, man, love. I've had you out to speak before in in Colorado. Uh, and I love uh, upward, inward, and outward uh your most recent book through nav press and uh just wanted to kind of dig in just a little bit on that, even what that phrase says to me of upward, inward, and outward, uh, is that we actually need to have not just balance but some rhythm in our life. And so we talk a lot of Stay Forth about rhythms of life, and and in this case, of course, healthy rhythms, so we can continue uh, to go the distance. And so spiritual disciplines, um, not the sexiest topic in ministry. So why is this crucial right now for leaders to personally engage all three of these, the upward, the inward, and the outward?
0: Well, it, for me, the upward, and the inward, and the outward, that's you know—that's coming right out of Jesus' greatest commandment, where they asked him, out of all the things that are important, all the things in the law, what's the most important? And so Jesus quoted two uh, verses from the law. He said that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. I call that upward. It's the relationship that we get to have with God. And then he said the second commandment is like it. You shall love your neighbor, loving your neighbor, that's outward, as yourself, as you love yourself, which is inward. And he said, and all this, and on these things hang all the law and the prophets. So Jesus sums up a person's life in what I like to call upward, inward, and outward, this living and loving in three directions. And so for me, what I realize is that for anybody who's a leader within the church, uh, it will always begin upward. You know, it, it begins with a relationship that you're having with God. And 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 we all know that we have to cultivate that. And then for well, at least the tradition that I came out of, the tribe that I was nurtured in, uh, really our spiritual lives were just totally upward. We were—it was kind of divorced of discussions of uh, inward or outward. And so I—I I remember when I started really having a heart to not just believe in the finished work of Jesus and I get to, you know, have a relationship with God, but I'm like, because of the cross, you know, there's some radical social implications, and so I want to go out and serve the world. And so I got kind of ushered into the outward side of it. And, uh, and was learning and learned and has learned so much. Uh, and then, you know, more recently, um, I realized that there's a whole inward reality that I needed to take care of because as I was getting older, I I found myself like many leaders getting, you know, feeling tired, fried, uh, discouraged. And, uh, and again, I realized that there's, there's a whole inward component of my identity, how I see myself and, uh, and that's been a great recovery, I think, in, uh, in this generation as we look at uh, the idea of self-care or identity or who are we in Christ. But we don't want to do that at the expense of upward or outward. And I think for most of us, the big struggle we have is that we prefer one. We've been socialized spiritually into one. But we really, Jesus didn't just say one of them. He said, you know, really all three of them. And uh, it's something that we need to, we need to learn how to uh, cultivate every single day.
1: Which one do you believe is the hardest for us, you know, kind of busy, pushing forward, driving leaders in our culture today?
0: Well, for me, I think it depends on the person. So like, I would say that like an introvert, right, which I'm not, but uh, my my bride is, my my bride is, is amazing at her own self-care. She knows what she needs to be healthy and she knows how to ask for it, you know, uh, as an extrovert. Uh, the inward is probably the last place that that I've been growing, and so I, I think er, every person is different. So, like I said, I was I was kind of nurtured spiritually in a tribe that upward was everything. So, like I'm not the kind of person who ever really struggles to read my Bible. Like I, I, I as a musician and and being in a a tribe that really loved to worship, like worship was never a question for me. Like I'm never like, man, I don't feel like worshiping right now. Like I'm, I love worship. You know, I love worship with music, without music. I just, you know, it's great, you know. And so, and depending on what someone's personality, the way that they were nurtured uh, spiritually, you know, some people have really strong, like, you know, folks that I know who are really uh, within the missional movement, the outward pieces is is already well formed, but maybe the upward isn't the best, you know. And I know for me, uh, the inward was the one that, uh, that I'm doing the most work on because it's the one that comes, that came the least natural to me, not only, from the way I was nurtured spiritually, but the way that I was raised. So I, uh, you, you know, I grew up in New Jersey where was, we always joke that, you know, the weaker are killed and eaten. So it was, it's a relentless culture. And, and I grew up with a family that would, you know, we, the weekends where we pack as many things as we can into the weekend and you fall into bed and, and, uh, and so I've, I never really learned how to take care of myself. So for me, the inward is, is the most uh, is the most challenging. Um, and i you know I think as I'm looking at the world today, I think when I look at the younger generation the the focus on the emotionally healthy spirituality, which is good when I see it playing with the younger generation, it makes me a little nervous because in some ways the younger generation is a little bit more wired to be self centered so I see the outward being neglected a lot right now in the name of being uh inwardly healthy and so I think everyone has to be able to do a little you know a heart exegesis or you know understanding what's going on with them and and different times I think calls for different measures, but I don't think it's one more than any other per se. That's
1: good. And, and even just being aware, um, and you talked about emotionally healthy spirituality and church and Pete's Caserzo um, talks about how our family narrative, like you're talking about shapes from around the dinner table to our view of work, to our view of discipline shapes so much of, of who we are. Um, but even our church upbringing or lack thereof, um, what kind of you know, stream we've come from, what was the norm there. Uh, So helpful to say there isn't just one rule here. And it's really hard to have the rhythms of of all three of those. So talk a little bit about how these rhythms, and especially, I mean, obviously, as you're writing a book, you're immersed in this stuff for months, if not longer. Uh, So how have these rhythms shaped your personal life and the way you lead?
0: Yeah. So like, it's funny when you bring up uh, Pete, cause you know, he's all Italian kid from, from New York, which is, you know, my family was in New York until my parents were pregnant with me. So it's, it's the same culture. And so uh, just as Pete Scazzera would say that uh, the N-word was like kind of a, it was like a being born again, again moment. For me, it it really boiled down to the fact that I didn't want to just run a sprint. I wanted to run a marathon. And, and I've always heard that in ministry, that ministry is not a sprint. It's a marathon. And I was watching, looking around at, at friends and people I love and watching people quit the ministry, uh, fall out, burn out of the ministry. And I, I had to take a good, you know, that verse in the scriptures that we should take heed how we stand lest we fall you know, I want to love my friends and I, and I always will, but I had to take a good hard look and say, so, so where am I in a bad spot? And I began to, you know, I was looking at my life as, uh, you know, as a, as a pastor and, you know, my eating habits were lousy and my, my self-care was a mess and, and, uh, you know, I come home from a long day and I drank too much coffee. Obviously we live in the Portland metro area where, you know, coffee's a religion and, uh, Coffee flows like water oh, in the yeah. Pacific Northwest. I
1: mean, coffee stands are everywhere. If you have a coffee addiction, it's a tough
0: place to move. Yeah. It's bad. I mean, when I when I moved up here, I was only drinking decaf cuz I'm like I don't need any extra energy. And uh but I started drinking caffeinated coffee cuz the coffee's so extraordinary here, but I but you know, after a day, uh, you know, four cups of extraordinary coffee, you know, with nothing in it, just black, because it all is amazing. And it's a delicacy. And it's, you know, there's a bouquet of, you know, you can have every type of coffee bouquet, I'd come home, and I'd be irritable. And, you know, or I'd want to just kind of bury my head back in the computer, because I've been in, you know, that space all day between studying and working and all the stuff that you're doing. And so um, I just started to and I, I remember just asking uh, Lynn, my Brian said, you know, I feel like I'm a I'm pretty unhealthy at this point. And she's like, oh, absolutely. And she said, "Daniel, you just don't know how to take care of yourself." So, you know, for me, the first step was like allowing my bride, who, you know, given the way she's wired and and the family she was raised in, uh, was just really good at uh, self care. She she really had it dialed down. I said, "Well, if you could design like a self care plan for me, what would it be?" And she just started giving me, you know, great insights into uh, things that I needed to do. Things like I needed to, you know, slow down. Like I'm also the kind of person just by socialization that for me, like watching a, a a game on the TV with a a bass in my hand, reading a Kindle book, listening to a, a free jazz album. That's like a normal night for me. You know, like multitasking is like, I was made for that. I love that kind of stuff. And my wife would say like, you know, you actually need to spend some time in solitude. Like you shouldn't put music on. You should just go sit in your study and you should just be without four things going on or one thing going on. And she's like, you, know, you need to watch what you're eating. You need to work out. Like you have a sedentary job. And and as a pastor, you can go from, you know, lunch appointment to coffee appointment or breakfast appointment to coffee appointment to lunch appointment to coffee appointment to second afternoon coffee appointment to dinner appointment, you know, and and, you, and you're just sitting there and you're reading and which is on, isn't a bad thing, but there's gotta be more to it. And so my bride was really instrumental in helping me to uh, begin to learn how to take care of myself things like going to bed early i mean you know um that was just not something that i was interested in for the longest time and so my bride's always real good being like hey listen you should go to bed when the kids go to bed because we have three kids and we, we put our kids in our room in their rooms at about um eight o'clock they don't have to go to bed at eight o'clock but they have to read until they go to bed and so you know if they want to read for two hours or if they want to read for two minutes you know uh then would be like, "Hey, you should go read in bed and then just go to bed early and i and I started to listen after a while,
1: good man. It's funny how the the voice of our wives sounds a whole lot like the voice of the Holy Spirit, and many times we think, Oh man, what how do I step into this next season of maturity and discernment? um start by asking your spouse i mean it's it's amazing to me how many times we'll go to a self help book or to a friend or a mentor when it sounds like Lynn knew what direction you needed to head to. It's interesting, the idea of sleep. As it is so countercultural um, in our minds. But something I love to say. Sometimes the most spiritual thing you can do is take a nap. Just trust. You know what? While you sleep, God's got it. Guess what? He'll have it tomorrow and the next day. Uh, and so, man, I can identify so much with that because you've got important work to do tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Um, so man, I just, I love your honesty. It feels like we're just kind of over a meal, having a conversation here, letting the podcast folks in, into it as well. So talk about kind of, has that shaped you? How's that affected those you lead? How's that helped the team, the staff culture there at Crossroads shape and develop and mature as well?
0: Well, there's no doubt that uh, a, a team or a staff or, or a congregation or a ministry, like they're going to take on uh, the attributes of their leaders, wh- whether we like it or not. I remember when I was stepping out to plant a church the first time. Uh, my pastor, Pastor John Henry Corcoran, said to me, "I'll never forget it. it. Like it makes me laugh. It was so brutally honest." He said, "Listen, you're going to reproduce yourself spiritually in the lives of that of those folks. Don't screw that up." And I remember just being like, ooh, okay," you know. And so when when as a leader. Um, unhealthy, working myself to the bone, never taking a break, almost being like too cool to take a break, kind of being crispy, you know. And even if I was really good at kind of masking it, but but you know, being over scheduled, over caffeinated, over committed, all the things that come with that with that kind of a, a way, uh, everyone else around you starts to take that on. And what I started to see, of course, was you know I was getting crispy, but I I grew up in an environment where you could go for like. I always say that like, if I was a car, I could go on empty forever. Like, like I I can go on fumes for life, you know, but what I realized is that one, that's not true. And two, there's a lot of people around me who are watching me and, and seeing what I'm modeling and they're breaking down way sooner. And I, and I couldn't figure out why I'm like, I wonder what's going on here. And, and I started to realize, oh, I'm actually leading in an unsustainable way. And I'm making everyone else think that that's the way you're supposed to do it.
1: Man, that's a great word, because not only is it about, about us, I mean, I think sometimes in leadership, it's like, well, us, uh, stay healthy, like you're talking about self-care. But what about that mirror that other people are seeing? Because that's the norm. That's the standard now, if that's what our leader, team lead, pastor um, is, is doing. And so really as a discipleship moment or opportunity to ask you guys, do you want your congregation or your team living the way that you're living? Um that's good man but that's hard. That's sobering. Kind of like that question. As you talk about this, man, I just I love seeing what God is doing through you and and around you. God's doing some incredible things at Crossroads and the awesome team of folks there. Um what are some practical ways that you stay grounded as a leader? Week in, week out. Get practical with us.
0: Well, so I think you know the first step always I would say is is upward. Like, you know, you have to have a relationship with Jesus and not just a, a utilitarian relationship. Like as a, as a pastor, like if my only interaction with the word of God is to prep for a sermon, then I am not uh, living uh, by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You know, so I I have to feed on that personally before I can chef up the word for somebody else. You know, uh, if the only time I'm worshiping the Lord is when I'm in the sanctuary with the Crossroads family, then um, I'm, I'm not living a lifestyle of worship. If the only time I pray is when I'm leading a prayer meeting or our pre-service prayer or, or I'm praying over our staff or the folks from Crossroads, then I'm really not having a, a prayer life. And so for me, the, the most grounding thing is, is that upward is to have that relationship with the lord and and to be cultivating that every day and so i i I say it in the book that the upward drives everything else and so so for me the grounding begins with that then then the second step is you move to inward and so like we've been talking about it um there's an author who wrote a book called the fundamentals eating moving and sleeping you know uh, the three essentials fundamentals for uh just my own personal care and what i have found is that um in my neglect of the inward. Uh, I ate lousy. I didn't do any exercising at all. I would, I, I had a sedentary uh, lifestyle and job, and I never slept, or I or I slept poorly when I did. I, sleep was an inconvenience, and so uh, for me, uh, I just have to keep kind of a jealous guard over. Uh, what nobody puts anything in my mouth. I put it in my own mouth and I, and I, like I always joke, I love Twinkies. I mean, like I grew up all Italian kid from New Jersey. So like, you know, carbs are, are, were like, you know, the food that I was raised on, uh, sugar was what I was raised on, loved every second of it, uh, junk food, lots of food that now I just realize is just not good for me. Uh, so I had, you know, I have to watch what I eat and, uh, I had to develop a love for, uh, using my body for something other than just sitting and reading and, and studying. And, uh, and you said it, it's like some of the, one of the most spiritual things you can do is sleep. You think of a theology of Sabbath, the whole problem with the Sabbath for the children of Israel is it was about trusting God. Can you trust God that if you rest, God will still provide for you. And so for me, like, I didn't like to sleep because I'm like, man, I'm not going to be able to learn this or I can't accomplish this if I'm sleeping. And, and really it, it boiled down to a, um, a works righteousness style i didn't even realize it was there that if i don't do this no one will do this actually wrong if i'm doing the work of god's kingdom god does it he uses people and if i actually want him to use me to the greatest capacity then i have to trust that i can rest and he's got it still because if, if if the work of the kingdom only depends on me then i'm in a lot of trouble That's right. you know That's right. And so, uh, so, so that inward, uh, grounding is huge, you know, and, and, and having to develop those muscles. And then for me, you know, the outward is also super important as a leader. The problem that most leaders have is that we're, we're siloed and we're surrounded by people on our teams. And we don't have our uh, ears to the ground, so to speak, like we're, you know, especially within the church, depending on uh, the size of the church, oftentimes, um, I mean, even no matter what size the church, we have a, a niche group of people who we spend the bulk of our time with. And so uh, for one of the things that I just try and do out in an outward grounding as a leader is I try and vary my context like, you know, Crossroads is a really large church. So there's lots of different people there and before and after all the services and always hanging out with the Crossroads family and and trying to understand like, what does it look like from their street level? Because in a lot of ways, you can't lead people if you don't know what they're involved in. You know, like you you can't, you can't actually be effective to help somebody if you actually don't know what the needs are. There's nothing worse than if you go into a doctor's office and he doesn't even ask you what's wrong you know, or she doesn't, you know, you go in, they ask for what your symptoms are and then they, they try and help you understand what's wrong. And I think, you know, uh, for a lot of us pastors, we live in theology world, uh, with arguments that the only people who are worried about it are scholars and pastors, you know, and a lot of times the folks in the body, their needs are much different than what we think they are because we, we haven't spent any time with them. So one of the great groundings for me as a leader is, is to keep myself, uh, where the people are. And that's hard also in its own way.
1: That's good. And really the paradoxes of that, of saying we need to be where the people are, we also need to be in solitude and hearing from God. And obviously as a fellow Enneagram 7, man, this is a struggle. We can be full of frenetic activity and forget silence and and solitude. Um, Speaking of kind of where the people are uh, you talk about social media in a really intentional way. And you say that you want the team at Crossroads to inhabit that social media space. So talk about that a little bit. Um, what are some boundaries to that, that you yourself maybe put around social media? Uh, and how do you navigate that unique space in our
0: culture today? So it's a great question. Um, So for me, like we have made an intentional decision to, uh, to occupy the digital space in the name of Jesus. And I have encouraged our entire team to do that. Like we don't only do an internet campus and I do two minute messages and all these different things on all these different platforms. But like we have our kids ministry is live streamed for kids on the internet. Uh, Our, our student ministry at Crossroads is going to be doing uh, an online campus as well. Uh one of the things that I do is I you know people are shocked to realize that I probably spend less time on social media than everybody. Uh and, and in a lot of ways what I realize is that you can only do so many things. And so uh w- we just hit a point where we realized we can you know except for Instagram, Instagram doesn't let you do a scheduler, but we just schedule everything out. And so uh there was a time when obviously um you know when you're doing ministry on social media um, you're watching all of it. And what I realize is that in the time that I'm watching it, I can do a million and five other things that are probably, um, more productive and healthy and life-giving for me. Cause like most of us, I mean, most people are at their worst when they're not looking at someone in their face and they're just sitting behind a keyboard. So, you know, you can, you can do a post and you can get, uh, 50 likes and one person thinks that you're an idiot. And then all you can think about is that you're an idiot. And so, uh, I just kind of, for me, what I, you know, and what we're doing because of the, the scale of what it is now, um, I don't ever comment on anything. You know, it's like I just put that information out there and the community itself kind of polices itself, which is kind of a beautiful thing, you know. And so um, for me, I don't have the, the only app I have on my phone is Instagram. Um, and even that one gets deleted periodically if I just feel like I'm looking at it too much. And so, um, I only do social media when I'm sitting in front of a computer and, um, and, and even that, like, I, I don't keep it open in my browser window because I actually, I want to personally, I want to have an impact on the space and I can't have an impact on the space if I live in the space. That's good. Like like I'm, I'm, I'm in it, but I'm not of it. And, and, and I'm, and I'm, I'm trying my best to keep myself focused. This is why I'm there. This is my job there. And all the other things that go on, on there is not as much of a concern. So it's funny because I was just talking to someone like, I don't understand how you can do what you're doing. I'm like, well, cause I, you know, we do all this stuff, but then we, we, we trust it's going to have the impact that God wants it to have. And I don't have to, I'm not uh, hovering over it like a helicopter parent, I'm just, you know, I'm willing to let it ride. And for me, I think the problem with social media, of course, is it becomes all consuming. And, and all the statistics are telling us now about the the psychological and physiological impact of us looking for likes, all these different things, and how it's negatively impacted, making people miserable, it's making people depressed. And, and I, I'd seen that in my own heart. So I had to kind of wean myself off of those things and uh, still have the impact. So a lot of people in the name of because they can't handle it. They just stop doing it. And We said, well, we, I don't, I, I don't want to stop doing it because it's having too much of an impact, but I actually don't want to have to feel all the feelings about it.
1: Yeah. What if there's an in-between in that? And that's where discernment comes in. I heard someone say probably about 15 years ago, they said, we're moving into the age of discernment where those who have it will thrive and those who don't will destroy themselves. And We've seen that. I mean, it's just as a prophetic statement. We've seen that to be true. And um, man, I I love that, the thinking through those things with with discernment. We could talk forever on just that topic. Maybe we'll have you back on the podcast. We'll just dig in because our our phones and our computers obviously uh, are becoming such an issue. What are a few themes that God is sowing into you right now during this season?
0: You know, uh, one of the themes that's been really big for me lately, and, and it's, it's in the idea of uh, discernment, is um, I ask myself a simple question. If it's not going to matter in five months or five years, then why does it matter right now? You know, and I think what I realize is that a lot of stuff just gets really big in my head. And, and so we labor over these ideas or these situations that in the grand scheme of things, they're small. But, you know, because we live in an attention economy, our, our, our entire, the news media, um, social media, everything is designed to grab your attention. And so um, what I found is that um, my time is, uh, is the, the, the most precious commodity I have next to Jesus himself. And so I want to I invest my time. You know, and that's something that you've actually helped me with a lot in 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 the right side up leader. You talk about that about the the need that time is an investment that you make. And so I ask myself that question: Is this going to matter in five months? And if it doesn't matter in five months, then why why am I making a big deal out of it right now? And so uh, I'm, I've been trying to grow in investing my best energy in the best places. Another thing that we that I've been doing a lot of is. Um, in some ways, uh, I've always said it, that if you don't have a vision for, uh, your time, somebody else will. And so, you know, in, in prioritizing what I'm doing, I almost never do anything in the mornings be, other than study and seek the Lord, you know, uh, given that the bulk of my job is, is preaching and vision casting for Crossroads and writing and, and, and all these different things. Um, I need to make sure that I'm, I'm caring for that. Um, I am always prioritizing in the evening, uh, my bride and my kids. So, um, like I've had to learn the art of walking in the door, putting my phone in a drawer and then going to be with my family and, uh, and not worrying about what's on the phone. So I've been trying to really, uh, dedicate myself to the most important things. So like, for me, it's like in the mornings, it's study time. It's, it's uh, deep work. If we were to use uh, the Cal Newport language, um, the afternoon is for people time. And lots of that connecting with people, meeting with our staff, you know, and then the evening time, uh, you know, is for my family and, uh, and, and that reality of making sure, um, investing in the most essential things at, uh, at the right times has been a huge growing, uh, area for me.
1: That's good. We, we call that batching and blocking our time. And it's amazing. Like you say, if we don't have a vision for it. There's a million places it could go, just like our money, right? Is we viewed our time and money differently when really it's it's the same. It's investment, and every investment is based on delayed gratification. And I love the discernment with which you're looking at your schedule. With man, you connect with a lot of different leaders across you know different threads and streams and um, you know kind of theological paradigms uh, out there. What's one exciting thing you see happening among kingdom leaders today?
0: Well, I think the thing that gets me the most excited is that um, the body of Christ is coming together as a whole. Whereas like more and more, we love our tribes and our streams, but we're also appreciating the uniquenesses in the streams. And so what's really cool is I feel like like Christian and kingdom leaders today are much more uh, holistically minded than we've been previously. Whereas, you know, if you're in an upward tradition, then it's like, you know, you're completely uh, in a Venn diagram, you're just all upward. And for a more contemplative tradition, it's more all completely inward. A- and for a more missional tradition, you know, uh, or a, a social compassion tradition or social justice, it's, it's more predominantly outward. And now I think more and more given the um, the convergences of of the body of Christ, seeing ourselves as not in our uniquenesses, but in our similarities, I think that, you know, it's more, it's beautiful to see people... Uh, being much more um, balanced or, or invested in all three directions, and so um, I'm. Real, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing, and I think it it it's it's a much more um, it's a much more biblical view of Christianity than, you know, just being whole, only upward and being anti-inward and outward or only inward and, and anti-upward and outward and only outward and being anti-inward and upward. You know, it's like much more uh, people are uh, learning from one another. And I know for me, I, I've just only been enriched uh, by all the, you know, by the by the breadth of the body of Christ. And even when I don't agree on something, um, I don't have to divide over that, even though I might not agree. And I seek to understand. I'm like, I don't know if I would dot my eyes and crosses my t's that way, but uh, but I can appreciate where it's coming from, and I can still glean uh, in the process. And so I, I see the kingdom leaders are gleaning uh, in in a in a, in, a, in a in the in the broader capacity of uh, what we would call Christianity, as opposed to previously it was much more uh, monolithic and specific, given tribes.
1: Mm, absolutely. Well, while we're having a conversation together, we can't be over a meal today. Which, man, we uh, when we came into Vancouver, I remember it wasn't you know ten minutes into being there, and I'm eating some Asian food out of a pineapple. Uh, and so, like, man, you're all, you're always posting something, some kind of burger. So you must eat healthy the whole rest of the time. Um, what weird or really good food have you eaten lately?
0: Well, so it's all good. So uh, the, the, the most exciting thing that happened recently is so, you know, because I live outside of Portland, Oregon, so I'm in the Pacific Northwest, but I was born and raised in, in New Jersey. And so, uh, there's a, there's a couple in our church who we just love so much, uh, uh Ray and, and Lisa and Lisa just wrote a great book called a uh, Wifology. It's the study of your wife and her natural habitat. It's, so she's a wife, but she wrote it for, for men. It's a great book, but he, but Ray's a pilot. And so he's been flying in and out of JFK in New York. And so I'm like, bro, do you you ever have layovers there? He's like, yeah, all the time. I'm like, I'll pay you money to bring me back a dozen bagels. And so he brought me back a dozen bagels from New York City and it was like, it, it was, it was like manna from heaven. And so, uh, so that's really, really fun. I always tell people if they want, if they follow me specifically on Instagram, because I think Instagram is a great place for uh, food pics. Like I don't always eat unhealthy, but when I do, I always commemorate it with an Instagram post. And so you're going to see it. Yeah. Cause awesome. I have people say to me like, man, you see your Instagram. It's like every, it's all these crazy burgers and this. And, and I did like a whole series of stories about you know, New York city bagels. And I was making every kind of sandwich you could imagine with these bagels. But, uh, I don't always eat like that, but when I do, I want to make sure I can remember it. And so I, I take pictures and videos of it. I, it's just a weird I love part, it. My and personality.
1: Even just the little things, there are things that give us joy that there, there's no massive ROI or return on that as a leader. Uh, but that's something that we laugh about. It's just, man, you just, you just enjoy it. It's just hard to explain why, uh, man, love, love that. Wish we could be in person, uh, how can folks follow along with you and what you're up to?
0: Well, you know, you can find me uh, online. Just put my name, Daniel Fusco. And so um, I have a website, danielfusco.com. I know that's such always the weirdest thing, but, you know, that's a great spot or on, you know, Facebook or Instagram. I think I'm the Fusco on Instagram, but I'm Daniel Fusco everywhere else. And so I uh, love to connect with people. And Alan, I just want to say it. And I always tell you, like, I just so appreciate you. I appreciate just who you are in my life. Um, I love that you're doing um, you know, the Right Side Up Leader podcast. I think it's like, I'm just looking forward to to, to, to hearing all the different episodes and and uh, just learning alongside you. So I just appreciate just the role that you're playing in in the greater kingdom and uh, just who you are in my world. So I just think you're the best, bro.
1: Well, same back at you, man. We, we always want to close with um, just a word of advice. You can go as practical as, as you want to go. Maybe it's advice or a paradigm shift, habits, tools, that are help you le- helping
0: you to lead for the long haul. So uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, stolen straight from uh, Rick Warren, uh, where he said uh, in regards to the idea of those rhythms of work and rest. He he and you know uh, Pastor Rick is a master of alliteration. He's just I mean he's maybe the best ever. He said that we need to abandon annually, we need to withdraw weekly, and we we need to divert daily. And so uh, I just kind of heard that and I'm like, that's so good. And so I just took that to heart. So abandon annually, like get away. Like like, you you can't afford not to take a vacation. doesn't mean you have to go on like some swanky vacation that costs you all sorts of money. It's like, you just need to be, you need to, you need to unplug for uh, seven days, 10 days, 14 days, if you can do that every single year. So good for you. So good for your family. Then you need to withdraw weekly. And that would be the idea of like taking a Sabbath day. And so like for me, I, you know, our, our entire staff works a Sunday to Thursday schedule. And so, uh, we almost have nothing on Fridays at Crossroads ever because we want everyone to have a day where they're not doing any work at all. Sometimes on a Saturday you'll do a wedding or you'll have an event or something like that. So, uh, make sure you're, you're, you're not keeping a legalistic Sabbath, but you're, you're, you're once a week you're, you're withdrawn. You're, you're not involved in, in all that you're doing. And then the diverting daily, which the idea that no one can be plugged in straight all day so like whatever you enjoy for me i you know i'm still a bass player in my office i got electric basses and upright basses and so uh throughout the day i'm diverting my attention from what i'm doing from the work of the ministry and i'm doing something creative so for me that's uh playing music and so uh to me that uh has been a very important uh rhythm um my wife and i have just prioritized uh you know, we do Friday uh, lunch dates. My wife and I. Our kids are in school, and so you know, we'll do those type of things on on our on our Fridays, uh, just to, to really make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and we're staying connected. And uh, for me, it's about I don't just want to make it the long haul. I don't want to get to the end and be grizzled at the end. You know, like, I want to I want to reach the end. I want to be as fresh as I was when I first started. So I, I don't just want to like fit, you know, get through the finish line and then face plant and, 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 and die. It's like, I want to be done. I want to be like, can we run again? You know? And so, uh, I think that's the key. And so that abandon annually, annually withdraw weekly and divert daily. I'm so grateful for pastor Rick and that wisdom. Cause that's really helped me.
1: Awesome. Well, man, appreciate you and our friendship. Can't wait to eat a huge burger, maybe some bagels on the East Coast, or uh, sip some good coffee out in the Pacific Northwest. Appreciate you. And just thanks for coming on today and being ridiculously practical uh, about how we can get healthy and go the long haul. So uh, guys, if you're looking to apply this, uh, I just want to ask you guys just a couple of questions to think about based on what Daniel's talking about up in and out, which of those rhythms is most unnatural for you? Which of those rhythms do you need to push into the most that maybe you've neglected? And secondly, to to bring those three from Pastor Rick Warren, how can you abandon annually? Go ahead and put it on the calendar. How are you withdrawing weekly? And then what are some practical ways you have to divert daily? Daniel, thanks for being with us. Thanks for joining us, guys, for the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast. Man, just loved having a conversation with Daniel and obviously spending time with him and, and just having those good but sometimes hard conversations about how we can stay healthy as leaders is so good, so refreshing. So many good one-liners in there too um, as we think about just those practical ways. Really appreciated how he kind of pulled the curtain back and said, here's how I do it in my life and here's how I don't do it in my life to, to really stay in rhythm more than in balance, but in rhythm to be able to live a healthy life um, because he wants to go the distance, he wants to be doing this for
2: a long time, yeah, and one thing that I love is is life is full attention, and he doesn 't shy away from that that those three rhythms um, they 're not in competition it 's not just a balancing act, but it 's this tension of making sure that we 're not neglecting the different aspects of our soul and what it means to be a leader and what it means to follow God and what it means to. Um, pour into the relationships in our life. And so one thing that I love is his ability to articulate, hey, all of these things matter. It's not that we pick one over the other, but this up, in, and out um, are crucial to our souls and crucial to our leadership. Yeah, and we're naturally going to be wired toward one direction.
1: Maybe our our personality, maybe our upbringing, our family of origin, uh, the stream that we've grown up in. And so we have to be able to recognize that, to be able to recognize, here's the ones that that maybe flow most naturally to me, and here's the one that's hardest for me that I need to be able to attend to. And And all of our lives are lopsided in some way. And so when we talk about health and longevity, we don't talk about it like it's easy it may be simple, but it's actually really hard to live out. And so we want to just continue to get in the midst of those conversations. I don't know that we have any great solutions for you today. That's not the goal, but we want to be asking the right questions and we want to be leaving you in a space of tension as you listen to this. So love today's conversation. Can't wait to have more and more of these conversations releasing for you guys every couple of weeks.
2: And we are just so thrilled that you guys are following along with us, that you're listening to these podcasts. And so we're so so thankful for your support. And one way that you can continue to support this podcast is by subscribing. Um, so you never miss out on a new podcast by sharing this with your friends and family and by giving us a rating on iTunes or whatever platform that you're listening on. This helps us to be seen and to be heard by more and more listeners. So thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Right Side Up Leadership Podcast and we'll see you in the next episode.